You're listening to Wait On Purpose Podcast, the show for single women who want to overcome emotional discomfort with being single, understand the fear of being alone, and transform it to self-love while celebrating this season with joy, purpose, and passion. Each week, we'll explore topics on how to optimize your season of singleness and become who you want to attract. Now, here's your host, Tracy Noel, the introverted empath. Hey loves, this is your girlfriend, Tracy Noel, and I'm here with another episode of Wait on Purpose. And this is a podcast created to empower women in overcoming emotional discomfort with being single, understanding our fear of being alone, and transforming it to self-love, all while celebrating this season of singleness with joy, purpose, and passion. To me, it's all about growth and development, and I believe that when we focus and optimize on the core four areas of our lives, we shift our lives in a powerful way, and those areas are health and wellness, finances in our career, interpersonal relationships, and most importantly, spirituality in our relationship with God. So... This season, God has been really calling me to work on all of my relationships and um, partnerships. So today I am pouring into my interpersonal relationships and connecting with women who are boldly stepping into their season of singleness. So I have a special guest today. Um, Like I said, I like to add a little spice to this podcast um, and just kind of introduce other perspectives and other experiences and lessons um, besides my own, um, because I think that would be boring. So many of the things that I've learned has come from experiences. However, I have also learned so much from other people and their stories and just how they show up in this world. So once or twice a month, I want to introduce a powerful and phenomenal woman who I feel walks in her divinity and her personal power, someone who embraces her womanhood and her singleness, and she does it with grace and makes it look easy. So I met today's special guest and Black Women Promote, uh, and BWP is a Facebook community created to advance the cause of Black women in business and to foster relationships among a group of creative, innovative, and intellectual women. Mrs. Myra is all three. She embodies all three of those characteristics. She's also a holistic mindset strategist and the chief smell producer that empowers entrepreneurs to reframe their mindset, reset the faulty programming, release the things that no longer serve them, and heal the areas that have them stuck so that they can fully embody the freedom to shine in their greatness. Myra's focus has been to help others reach goals in life and business by looking inward to overcome mindset pitfalls, realign spirituality, gain clarity, and build unstoppable confidence. So prior to starting her coaching business, Myra spent almost two decades actually in corporate sales, sales management, corporate training, motivational speaking, and ministry leadership. So she's been 
she's doing doing it all. So I want us to welcome Mrs. Myra Stepter. Hey, love, how are you doing? I am absolutely phenomenal. And I'm also sitting over here laughing, going, who is that person? <laughs> That's you. <laughs> and it's a pleasure to be here with you. It's a pleasure I am to be here so, I am so excited about today. Um, let me tell you, from the first email that I didn't see <laughs> to the second email that was like, um, excuse me, did you not get my email? I was like, oh, this is my new friend. <laughs> I was like, this is my new friend. Because I love that. I, you know, one, one thing that I love is when business people have personality, mm. you know, and, and are not afraid to be like, this is me. And I, I may, or I may follow some of the conventional businessy stuff, but on the flip side, I'm just different. You know, and I, I yeah. love that. I love when people are just like, I'm just different and I'm going to have fun and I want to laugh. And, you know, that's, that's my thing. You know, when I, I have called myself the chief small producer for years. And part of that is no matter what I'm doing in business, in life, in ministry, I want people to smile. I want people to have a reason to smile. Not just that whole fake, you know, like, oozing, failing. No, yeah. like, I want us to, to be able to laugh and, you know, have that enjoyment in life. And so that email totally, uh, I think it, it was the Taraji uh -huh. gift or whatever. And I yeah. was like, oh, this is my new friend <laughs> because she likes to have fun in business. I love this. <laughs> and not just that, but I, I understand that there is power in the follow-up. And I know people, you know, yes. at first I used to just really take it personal, but people are busy. Anybody, you know, thinking about me like that? So let me follow up and make sure that they got the email you know, and so that's what I wanted to do. And I'm wearing my smile today. I'm really ready to shift the atmosphere, like you say, up, up, yes. you know, up in here. Um, but before we start, I would like to start off by asking you, uh, what is one thing that you are celebrating? Like, what is something that you are proud of in your life thus far? Ooh, one thing that I am celebrating. Um, hmm. I am celebrating my reset. Hmm. Um, <laughs> I am celebrating my reset because my reset came with some heartache, some struggle, some frustration, some knockdown, drag out conversations with God. Mm -hmm. um, it came with some hurt feelings. It came with um, with with some lessons mm -hmm. that I learned, and I didn't just reset my business; I reset my life. Mm -hmm. And being able to do that and come out of it with a smile on my face, come out of it like, you know what, God, I I, I actually do get what you were doing, and mm -hmm. I get what was happening. And I'm all right, you know, I'm, and I'm better than all right. I'm amazing. And I, I definitely am celebrating this reset. And, and by reset, it's not just a starting over. 
it was like control alt delete factory reset let's burn it all down and (laughs) rebuild it yeah and you know that's a scary thing Mm -hmm. when you say i'm just gonna burn it all down and redo it and especially when sometimes the burning down isn't from your prompting it's like you're looking back going wait wait you're burning down the stuff god hold on and he's like you sure about that because if i give it back to you then that means you don't get that over there Mm. well go ahead and burn it down god i'm good (laughs) (laughs) let it burn like usher said let it burn you want me to get some more gasoline what we need to do you know like and he's like okay you're a little too eager now you stay over there but (laughs) but it was like you know getting to that point where you understand that there was a lesson and you learned the lesson which means that this reset is like you know like when you think about when you have to do the factory reset on your phone and you're like, no, I'm losing all my stuff. Yeah. And I needed those pictures that I never looked at, you know, for the last six years that are clogging <laughs> up the memory on my phone. I needed those. Right. And it's like, but do you? Do you really? You really don't. And when the factory reset happens and you're on the other side with a working, functioning phone that's doing better than what it had ever done, and you realize, you know what, I really wasn't using those pictures. And I really, you know, I could always upload new games or whatever other stuff. And you're like, you know, that reset was a good idea. Glad I thought of it. Not really, but. <laughs> I love that yeah. analogy. Analogy. I love that. So I'm, I'm totally celebrating that. As you can tell, I'm totally celebrating it. it and not to say that it doesn't have its scary points, mm-hmm. because when you ha- when you shut things down in your life it's always a thing where you kind of go, mm, yeah, okay, I don't, I don't know about that. Mm-mm, I'm not sure. But you also have to look at it and say, hey, you know what? It's worth doing. So, of course, fear is going to show up. Mm. Of course, I'm going to, you know, look at this a little crazy. Of course, I'm going to feel like maybe, you know, I regret I didn't get rid of, I didn't, you know, uh, store away the things that I, I really wanted to keep or, or whatever. But, if you keep living in that, then you can't make it forward to the next thing. And so I had, I had to really do some work with me and, you know, I'm, yeah, I'm a holistic mindset coach, but I also let people know, guess what? I'm the mindset coach that will tell you, this is about having the tools. So not having the perfection, but having the tools, because when some of this stuff comes to attack you, you've got to know how to work through it each time. Yeah. Not sit back and go, I healed it. It's all gone. Mm-mm. No, you healed that thing. Yeah. But something else is going to come, and, and you're going to get in the, in the dumps. You're going to be depressed. You're going to feel like maybe I'm not good enough. You're going to go through what I call the mindset pitfalls of anger, blame, shame, guilt, frustration, fear, guilt, uh, guilt, frustration, fear, and regret, you're going to go through those in all situations. But what's important is that at some point you take that step back and you see what you need to celebrate in that whole scenario. So that was the long answer for what I'm celebrating. (laughs) 
No, but that's <laughs> definitely, definitely something to celebrate. No, that's the reset. That's powerful. Yeah. And I like the analogy of a factory reset. I never looked at it that way. You know, you want to keep your pictures and your old contacts. And um, I, I love that. I'm celebrating that with you too, sis. That's good. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And there's a lot of people out here that are doing, that are resetting and they're, they're living so afraid and they're still stuck in, oh my God, but I lost so much. And they're not looking at what they're gaining. Yeah. And, you know, and that's, that's a part of my responsible transparency that I put out there because I need people to understand, first of all, there's a difference between starting over and resetting. Starting over, you're, you're doing the same things. You just maybe have to go back to the first step to go fix that, you know, the things that were missing in that goal. Right. Um, but the reset is, oh, you got a whole new goal. Oh, God, that's good. <laughs> you got a whole new goal. You got that's a whole good. new goal. You know, yeah. starting over is great, but that, that, not everybody gets to start over. You don't get to keep pushing towards the same goal. Yeah. Sometimes the goal changes. Yeah. And it is, it is full on, you know, at my, my, my difference in the analogy usually is the reset is that factory reboot, reset. You know, the, the start over is just, you powered your phone down. Exactly. Yeah. Everything's so. still intact. Everything's there, but the phone needed to be shut down and brought back up so that things could, you know, get where they're supposed to go. And, you know, because usually when something's not working on your phone, you just shut it down mm-hmm. and restart it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, okay. Uh, everything, you know, it, it gets its update and everything's good. And you can, you know, maybe maybe you had to clear out um, your your cash or your cookies mm-hmm. or whatever, mm-hmm. but you but everything is still you still have the ability to use everything that was already there yeah. um, in the move forward. In the reboot, you you gotta <laughs> allow me to reintroduce <laughs> myself, right? <laughs> right, <laughs> right. It's like in the re in the in the reset, you gotta go back and be like. Okay, I did write down that list of the apps I used to have, and let me go back to my my app store and start downloading again because yeah. they don't exist. Yeah, you know, and it's like, okay, now the good thing in this reset is I still have all of my knowledge from before. Right. I still, you know, so so I think that's the. The the other reason why I'm celebrating is some people have to reset and they don't even remember yeah. what happened. You know, you still have that knowledge, and now you have room still, for more. And I have room for more, and I learned the lesson. Yeah, I learned the lesson in the previous situations, and and why I was taken through those things, and why they were not allowed to destroy me. And why I came out of them with knowledge, wisdom, understanding, and victory. Yeah. That, that's different. It, you know, so, so there are people that, um, in this side of it, that I can help. And I tell people that the, the first thing is step one. It is your mindset. It is how you think and how you see where you're going and what you're trying to do. And so it was, it's important for me always use the tools that I put out for other people to use because I first mm-hmm. of all I can't tell you they work 
if I'm not using them. Exactly. And if I'm sitting over here going, well, I guess I'm not going to be able to do this and life's not going to work. And it's like, no, I'm helping you learn. I, I have to go through it. And I've said this so much. I go through to help others get through. Yeah. It always happens like that. You know, some of the, the things that I teach always come from my personal experience or I'm allowed to be around people with that particular experience so that I can see in depth how they've had to experience it. So okay. I'm totally still celebrating, you know, the fact that I still have the knowledge that I have in the reset. Yeah. And that's good. And I always feel like usually what we teach is what we had to learn or what we're still learning and what we have to heal from as well. It's exactly. like we're the teacher and the students. So now, you know, I had to ask you, what is a chief smell producer? Um, I've never <laughs> heard of it before. And why did you create that concept? Because I, did you make that up? Yes. I know you did. Yes. Yes. yes I've I never did. heard of so, it, but it sounds powerful. So what is so, that? So, you know, Everybody wants to be the CEO. Mm-hmm. I don't want to be the CEO. I want to be, I, I'm still going to be the chief. I'm still going to be the boss. <laughs> but that was, that was the title when I first started my coaching company and, and I was, you know, first got certified. And one of the, the things that I always wanted people to do was smile. And um, I was like, well, you know, what, and everything that I do, I'm trying, I'm, my goal is to produce smiles. Mm-hmm. So I'm a smile producer and I want to create smile producers. I say all the time, my smile is designed to launch millions, mm-hmm. but I can't do it by myself. So I'm creating smile producers. I'm, I'm the smile producer creating smile producers. So I'm the chief smile producer. I'm the one, I'm the catalyst. So, so that's where it came from. And years ago, I used to do all my social media posts, and at the end, I would put T-I-N-G. And people would be like, what is Ting? You know, and it would have some little, you know, thing behind it. Um, and it was, and I was like, it's the sound of a smile. If you think about whenever you hear, whenever you watch commercials or you see something, it's always Ting, you know, at the end when somebody smiles and they do a little light thing. Yeah. So that was always my thing. And it was funny because even, and I, I keep saying I'm going to bring that back, because even people that did not engage with me on social media, mm-hmm. when I would see them in real life, they'd walk up to me and go, ting. And I'm like, are you serious right now? You know, I, I didn't even know if I was, I'm your, you know, at the time, Facebook friend or whatever. And they're like, oh, yeah. Or one lady was so funny. She was like, well, I'm not your Facebook friend, but my husband is, and you should this one post and he showed me, so then I'm always looking at your page. And I was oh, like, wow. I was like, well, you could just be my Facebook friend. You do know that. Great. I'm like, I will accept you. It's fine. You don't have to look at my page for his page. Like, what? Send me a friend request. And right. I was like, I, I was like, I'm not hard to, to, you know, access. You know, like you can, I'm, I'm easygoing. You can be, send me a friend request. It's fine. And she was like, well, I didn't want to, she was like, I kind of feel like a stalker. I'm like, 
Oh, okay. <laughs> it's all right. <laughs> but yeah, that's where the, the chief my producer came from. And so it's kind of stuck. Um, I, I, I like it because um, I am always telling people not just to smile, but to also um, get out there and smile at others and, and help make the world a better place simply, you know, through your smile. Because what I, what I have noticed over the years is that there is so much power in just a simple smile, Mm -hmm. mainly because people don't do it. Um, You know, you could just be in the grocery store and you go to your cashier and they're having a rough day and they're not paying attention. They're, hey, good, how are you doing? And I'll smile, hi, I'm having a great day. How's your day? Yeah. And they're looking at me kind of like I'm the lady with eight heads. Because it's like, wait, you're you're happy and smiling at me, and the line is long. Yeah, mm-hmm, I sure am. Because I'm sure that the last 18 people and the next 18 people probably won't smile at you. So, mm-hmm, yeah, that's what I'm doing. I'm smiling, and they're just, you know, and, and for some people, it's so foreign, you know, just walking up and down the street, and you flash a smile at people, and they're just kind of like, oh, hi. Hi. You Catch know. them off guard. So no, I, you're right. I I love to do that, and and it, some there have been times where it's been a um, sort of a a challenge. Not not well, I shouldn't say a challenge, but a goal of mine. Like I I put put it out there to myself, you know, in the morning before I leave out for the day. I'm going to make sure to smile at 20 people today. Hmm. Well, that also meant that I had to get out where there are 20 people. When you're an entrepreneur, a lot of times you're not getting out where there's 20 people. So I would have to be purposeful about where am I going to go that is going to have a a good number of people where I can smile at 20 people today. And there were plenty of times where I'd be in a Panera or a Starbucks or, you know, go somewhere to, to grab lunch or something. And just smiling at people and folks would be like, why are you smiling at everybody? Like, literally, I had that happen where a lady was like, when I walked in the door, you were smiling at people and you didn't say anything. You just got back to work and and she was like, I've been watching you. And you smiled at everybody coming through the door. And I said, well, did it hurt you? Yeah. And she was, no, I just, I just didn't get it. And I said, okay. Why is that? And she said, well, people don't smile at each other. And I said, but how did it make you feel when I smiled at you? She said, well, at first I was like, does she know me? And she said, then she realized that she didn't know me, you know. And um, she said, but then when I watched you and you were smiling at everybody, and I was like, oh, so she's just being nice. Yeah shining light and and it was it was just amazing to me how foreign that was for her and how apparently initially it unnerved her until she you know to the point where she had to come and say something you know and I was like okay well I got to get out and do this more often because obviously people are not getting smiled at like what in the world no, that's no. It's really true. People are walking around with me mugs, and yeah. one thing, <clears throat> excuse me, that I have struggled with for quite some time um, is smiling. I can remember 
how much I love to smell and show my teeth like every chance I can get. But a few years ago, I was in this abusive relationship with a man who he hit me in my mouth and busted my lip and it left a scar on my lip. Mm. So every time I smell, it was kind of crooked and like in a small piece of meat would hang down and it made me Mm -hmm. so insecure um and so Mm -hmm. I would just kind of like smirk here you know or hide it you know every time I smell um but lately you know I've been finding every reason to use my smell more and like you said also contribute to other people smelling because I do believe that smelling is important as well and um one thing that I like to do um, when I when I go out into the world is I, someone told me that you should always leave something, leave somebody with something. And so whether it's a compliment or a note. Yeah. And so I like to just like I, I'll walk past someone smile and just say I send them love and light. Sometimes they don't even know yeah. I'm sending them love and light, but they, just, don't even know. Yeah. they don't even know it. So I think that's that's raising the consciousness of if, if people definitely knew how important My mom. it was. My mom used to travel a lot for work, and that's, you know, both my parents are very complimentary Mm -hmm. types of people, and and it was funny, I remember years years ago, where, you know, she would always, you know, be dressed up, going to the airport, and um, she would make it a point to compliment gentlemen in the airport, and, um, she said, she said, you know, some, and, and, you know, just, oh, that's a nice tie or, oh, I like your suit. Cause you know, they, when she was traveling, it was always, um, you know, like the Monday mornings or the Sunday, you know, or, or Friday evenings, you know, kind of the time when, you know, when you're traveling to different cities, um, and the, you know, the airport, usually the people that are traveling for work travel certain days. And so, she would always compliment, you know, their shoes or, you know, something. And she said she did that because most men don't receive compliments Uh of of substance. You know, a lot of times, you know, people will compliment women, oh, you know, and and sometimes in a lewd way, but for the most part, someone's always saying something nice to a woman or a man is always, oh, you're so pretty or whatever. And she said, but generally speaking, in her conversations with um, with different people, men are like, no, nobody ever, you know, compliments me on anything, you know. So she started doing that, yeah. and um, and and just that little shift in someone's day, you know, just the fact that someone took the time to notice that they paid attention to their tie or that, you know, someone noticed that you had nice socks on or those were nice shoes or whatever. And so I used to do a similar thing with um, when I was in the corporate world with guys in, in the in the workplace. I was, you know, oh, wow, you know, that that's nice. You know, I like your watch or whatever. And it gives people an opportunity to talk about something that is somewhat exciting to them. You know, like a, I have a friend that collects, well, my mom collects Movado watches, but I had a friend, had a coworker that collected Movado watches. Mm-hmm. And so whenever he had a new watch on, I would notice because it was that brand that I associated with my mother. And so 
I would look and go, oh, wow, you got another Movado. When did you get that one? And she's like, how did you even know I had a different one on? And I was like, well, I hadn't seen that one. So, you know, and, and just that little thing, he would light up. Yeah. Well, let me tell you, I just got this one or my wife just bought this. And let me tell you, and I told her she didn't need to buy this because this is too expensive, but I'm going to wear it, you know, and, and just that, that little connection people love as much as we like to isolate ourselves and as much as we like to be so busy that we don't have quote-unquote time people love to connect and be social they're just afraid because there's always so much generally that comes with it but Mm -hmm. if you just keep it light sometimes and keep it in in a in a way that you know, that, that quick little compliment, that quick little thing that says, I, I, I'm paying attention to something that would detail that you paid attention to today. Yeah. And I do mm-hmm. think that, you know, even as spiritual beings, I truly believe that that's one of our deepest yearnings is to be seen and to be heard. And so just like, you, yeah. you know, even with my, you know, even with black men, I, that's walking down the street how you doing king and that would just yeah. like hold on wait a minute what would she just call me a king now someone would try to holler i'm like okay i got a man right. but i just wanted to you know acknowledge right. you king <laughs> but you'll know i'm like yeah, no, 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 no. Want to acknowledge you, but we all just want to be seen and so like that right. might have been the first time he ever heard somebody call him king and that like you said it really shifts shifts yeah. the atmosphere um yeah. and i know you know how a smile can shift the atmosphere. I know it's your mission to be um, a catalyst of a smell revolution and help others change the world with the power behind their smile. What is a smell revolution? And you already spoke on why smiling is so important and how it affects us in general, um, raises our mood. But what is like a smell revolution? Like how is, is that what we were just talking about? Just going out and smiling? Yeah, okay. just going out and smiling. And also, um, one of the things I say, like, usually when I'm doing a live or, or even when I'm, you know, speaking in, in public or whatever, one of the last things I say to people is to look in the mirror or look in their phone um, at their reflection and smile at that person in the mirror. Because what it does is it gives that person the permission and empowerment to smile at others. Mm. And that's what helps helps make the world a better place. And what I mean by that is the fact that most people can't smile at somebody else because they don't feel that smile. You're not going to beat me smiling at me. I'm the first person smiling at me in the morning. I'm in the mirror going, hey, girl, hey, (laughs) you know. And, and, and it, it, it's been like that since I was a child, that I'm the person that is always going to tell me that I'm beautiful and say all these affirming things about myself. But before even all of that, I'm going to smile at me because I believe that that's important. And so a smile revolution is really just starting with yourself because everything that I, I do, I believe in going inward first. Mm-hmm. Smile at yourself. Start with yourself. And what that does is it helps your light radiate so that you are able to do that with other people. Part of the reason that a lot of us 
are not smiling at anybody else, are not excited about connecting, it's because of the broken stuff that we've got within ourselves. Yeah. And the insecurities and the the things that that we won't allow ourselves to move forward in. It's not, you know, just like I was saying about the responsible transparency, I I tell people about um, going through a five-year depression. I didn't even know what the heck it was, but I was so busy pouring into other people that I wasn't paying attention to what I needed and how I needed to be refilled. So when I share those things, it's so that people know, guess what? In your journey to being great, there are some hot mess moments. There are some broken moments. There are some pitfall moments. But it's still okay to show up. Uh-huh. And, and in that show up, you can shine your light. You can be honest about when your light is a little dim, uh-huh. you know, because that's what I was not. And so now... One of the things that I make sure people know is, hey, I'm not just saying this and being poly positivity just because that's a, a new buzz thing to do. I'm coming from a place of a person that has always had light, and then I let that light get darn near put out and lived in this very dim, dark space for five years. And then when I emerged from it, it was like, Oh, my goodness. And then I was taking myself too fast and started going into, you know, these teeter-totter moments mm-hmm. where I'm like, Mm-mm, hold on, we got to reframe this thing. And we've got to figure out how to shine our light and be okay during those times when we need to maybe back up a little bit so that we can come back out and give to give to others and and share with others and be positive and be happy and smiling and not just happy and smiling, but have joy. Because a lot of people, if you, if you pay attention, um, they're not walking in joy. Forget the happiness. They're not even having the joy that leads to the happiness. Yeah. And so it, it goes, the smile revolution is deeper than just smiling at people it's really back to healing some things in yourself that have gotten you stuck in a, in a a way that it doesn't allow you to even experience and radiate the joy. And, and you are a depression recovery advocate. So can you share what is depression? What are some of the signs of it and how does someone overcome it? So it looks different for everyone for, okay. for almost everyone. I mean, it, cause it's not just sadness, you know, that, that's, that's kind of a, a misconception. It may be that for some people, but for others, it might be, I just can't get out of bed today. I just feel heavy and weighted mm. because for me, I, you know, I can speak on, on my experience. At one point, it was just complete overwhelm and, you know, just not really, you know, that that beginning phase was the not good enough. And then it it started getting deeper where it literally, I say, I call it the fog, where nothing was really clear anymore. 
nothing was black and white. Nothing was, you know, like I had been used to. Um, I could show up in the world and the world answered, basically. And it got to a point where it was like, okay, I'm showing up, but I don't really want to show up. Yeah. And I and it felt you know, and it felt like constantly being under a weighted blanket and living your life and, and making decisions and thinking about things under a cloak. Mm. And so nothing's very visible during that time. And so, you know, I I tell people during I used to be the person that was like, you know, let's go get it, let's do it, let's move, let's go. And you know, go, you know, get a job or do, you know, do whatever. And during that time, people closest to me were like, oh, my God, you're being so lazy. What's wrong with you? And it was like, but I'm I'm not. I just, I can't, I just can't move forward. And I didn't understand it. So then I started taking on the ideas and the thought processes that they were giving me of, well, okay, maybe I'm being lazy. Maybe I'm, you know, I don't I don't have any initiative. I don't have any, any drive. I don't have any get up and go. Maybe, you know, I'm just not good enough to do that thing, so I'm just going to go do this over here. And, you know, and you start telling yourself things that are really not true, mm-hmm. but you make them true in your mind. And so, and that's something that I've I've seen across the board with a lot of people where whether it's a, in their relationships, in in jobs, in just general life movements, when depression hits, they generally are telling themselves things that are not true, but they have found ways to connect the dots in their mind to make those things true. Yeah. You know, to, to say, oh, okay, I am lazy. And so then you start falling into patterns that you associate with being lazy because you're going to make it true. You're always sad all the time. Well, I'm probably not, but I'm going to start falling into patterns that I associate with being sad because I'm going to make it true. And so that that's depression for some people. Now others, you know, they're they're it it like I said, it just it looks different for a lot of folks. And unfortunately, because of that, a lot of people don't get help mm-hmm. because they're they're sitting back and they're saying, Well, it doesn't look like what it looked like on T V and that person mm-hmm. was sad and that person was this and so that's why and I'm not you know, maybe I am or am not having suicidal thoughts or maybe I am or am not, you know, feeling a certain kind of way about a thing and you don't really know what triggered you or you know, or maybe I'm just upset about something. Some people's depression looks like anger. Mm. Um, where they're just so, you know, just so agitated with everything that and you're so uncomfortable in your own skin that you're just angry and so with that you know with that being the case this is why i advocate therapy you know i yes i'm a firm believer and pray about it but i also understand that sometimes the prayer looks like send me the help yeah absolutely 
And we, a lot of times, um, the, the, the training and the programming has been pray to remove it, but expect it to look like I wake up one morning and I'm better. Yeah. And sometimes the pray to remove it is really put me in the situations where I can get the help that I need so that I can learn the tools because I believe also that depression is very much like um, a lot of other illnesses, alcoholism and addictions and all that. You're never quite done with it. Yeah. There's always something that's going to trigger you. I say that all the time, even about my own journey, that, yeah, I am still polypositivity. I am still the person that can find happy in pretty much anything, even bad situations. But there are things that do trigger me. And when I'm triggered, because I know what those things are, then I can take a step back and go, mm-mm, mm-mm. you see what this is doing? You see where this is trying to take you? Yeah. Nope, not going there. Okay, so what are the tools? What are the things that, that you know how to do so that you can move forward from this place? Yeah. And that's what a lot of people don't have are the tools that can help them move forward from from this from you know whatever the trigger is and and sometimes that means go to therapy sometimes that means coaching sometimes that means um, medication sometimes it means go get a personal trainer and exercise Mm -hmm. Um, you know sometimes it means change your diet sometimes it means a combination of all of those things but you never know until you first find out what in the heck you're dealing with yeah and it's interesting because I was suffering from depression and didn't even know it or probably knew it, but didn't want to admit it because right. I am like this happy-go-lucky, very jovial, glass half full type of person. Like I've always mm-hmm. found the silver lining in everything. I don't know if it's the Sagittarius in me or whatever, but there, there mm-hmm. were things that would like make me extremely sad. Um, but then, like, I feel like, okay, let me go out in nature or let me go listen to my music. And I feel like I, it will uplift me, right? But then yeah. the next day or a few days later, I will find myself crying or feeling down again. And mm-hmm. I have been so accustomed to being, like, this uplifting person that something that I've learned is that when I am in this space, I have to be around people who see me as three-dimensional because I would like express these other emotions other than this joyful type of person. And people look at me like I'm crazy. Like, hold on. We don't know. Like she can't get sad or she can't get angry. Yeah. And so that made me feel even more like, okay, let me hide my emotions and pretend like nothing's wrong because I couldn't be this three-dimensional person. Exactly. Um, Yeah. And so, and that that that's that's a lot of people's story. It's like I can't be the full scope of me. Yeah. And if I can't be the full scope of me around these people, then I'm gonna keep hiding everything because I can't give people. them just one thing because they're not my people. And then and then that makes you shy away from everybody yes. and See? isolate yourself. Because you're like, these aren't my people, so I can't be around them. Because 
right now I need to be this other person. And, you know, that's the thing that I I talked about even in my journey where during that time of depression, I was a crazy worship leader in church. Yeah. (laughs) And, And I explained to people, part of the thing that I knew everybody wanted from me or needed from me was my smile and my happiness because that's what everybody has all my whole life. Oh, my God, you have such a great smile. And so I knew that that's what people needed, and they needed my energy and my light. That's what they needed. And so even though I was depleted, I still wanted to give them what they needed. And the training and the programming that we're given a lot of times, whether it's in a church setting or just in life in general, people love to say, you know, don't look like what you're going through. And, you know, don't, don't, don't walk around with a sad face. And if you are walking around sad, smile, you know, put a smile on your face. And so there's this culture of, lying about what's really going on with you mm-hmm. because no one wants you wants you to be around here miserable and you know just all those different little things that we've been told so often what people will do is okay well whew, one two three I'm better yeah and then they get out in the world and go be quote-unquote better or they hide themselves away somewhere because they just can't make it better and at no point do you have the conversations of, I'm not okay. And I need somebody to know I'm not okay. And, you know, and I believe that even like you said, when you don't have the people around you and you start kind of trickling back, what I started doing, one of my tools, is I have several people that I can be 100% yeah. with, like just. Yeah. What you know, one of my my best friends is actually um, she she runs a non a mental health nonprofit. Um, her specialty was um, has been uh, maternal mental health, but she's also you know done you know activism and all kinds of stuff. And we are each other's person. Yeah. And when we're having a day, and we're both entrepreneurs. And that's a whole, that's another horse of a different color right there, too. When you are an entrepreneur dealing with depression, that that's a, and sometimes it's not even about your business. No, it's not. So, you know, and so, so she and I can message each other or call each other, hey, one of those days, don't feel like talking, check on me tomorrow. Yeah. You know, and then when, when there's the check-in, it's like, hey, girl, hey. What's happening? What What are you doing? What's going on with you? How's your brain? How are you feeling? What's, you know, and okay, I'm not feeling so good today or I'm good, I'm fine. And then we gauge whether or not it turns into a, oh, so you thought that was the only question I was going to ask? Uh-uh, spill the beans, calling you right now. You know, um, but you have to have those people you do. around you that understand your journey and understand that sometimes you need to be full transparent, not just responsible transparent, but full, I'm not okay, 
this is terrible, life is bad today, I want to jump off the side of a curb and twist my ankle, you know, that, because when I say things like that, you know, there, one of my friends was like, wait, what? And I said, no, 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 I'm not trying to kill myself. Now, hold on. I said, I just feel like, you know, it's just one of those days you just want to jump off the curb. And they're like, that is the craziest thing I have ever heard. And I'm like, think about it. You know, you jump off the curb and you step wrong. Well, you just push your ankle a little bit, you know, and it's going to snap you back and be like, you know, that was a bad idea. You shouldn't have done that. I said, so I don't do it. I said, but I just think about the pain associated with right. jumping off the curb and twisting your right. ankles. I'm like, okay, you need a nap. Because when you start feeling like you want to jump off the curb and twist your ankle, you need a nap. You need some tea. You need to go pray, meditate. You know, use your tools, girl. Use your tools. <laughs> The curb, okay. Yes, the curb. Yeah, I don't, I don't want nobody jumping off of anything the cliffs, than the curb. Right, exactly. Yeah, don't no windows, no no nothing. The curb, just yeah, I feel right it. there, right there next to the driveway, just <laughs> just right there. Right <laughs> With no traffic, I don't want you jumping off right. curbs where there's traffic. Just on when the street is empty, and just right there next to the driveway, and then step Jump. back up. You yeah, know? there you go. <laughs> That is I want crazy. you to be safe. <laughs> yeah, but we and we do. We need people who um, can 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 be there with us in our journey and kind of meet us yeah. where we are. Um, yeah. And so it's very important that for me that I was able to connect with these people because, and actually in this journey of building my relationships, I'm also finding this type of support and stretch and people who I kind of like put this wall up. So I felt like that was the devil trying to put this wall up between these people that I knew was going to help me to heal and, and hold my hand and help me to, you know, mm -hmm. and show up for me. So isolation does that for you too. It kind of, it, it kind of blocks yeah. you from your blessings through other people, these because divine the connections. Yeah, the thing that you're thinking in your head um, is, well, but they're probably going to hurt me too. Uh -huh. Or they're probably going to, you know, do, do something bad to me too. But guess what? Or judge me Even or gossip. They do, yeah, they're going to judge me. They're going to gossip. They're going to talk about me. And what if I say this to them? Or what if this, 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 blah, 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 blah. Yeah. And then that fear keeps you isolated and not insulated it keeps you pushed away from everybody and so you know insulation is it, it keeps you warm it keeps you you know keeps your temperature good right isolation has you off in a dark corner circling things around in your head like oh yeah they don't like me all that and nobody has said anything to you but you've created a whole scenario for life narrative yeah Yep. And, and I was going to and, ask you that too. What's the difference between insulation and isolation? Yeah. And so like, and I, I, I know insulation is healing because you're taking that moment to go back and, and fully understand. And that's where um, I tell people, you know, for this entire process, this, this holistic mindset process, it's about mind, body, spirit. It's about tapping into not just what you think, but physically how you feel. Uh -huh. um, because 
a lot of times people don't understand that how you think, how you feel, and your spiritual alignment all show up and trigger each other. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) It is is a very wild and crazy ride. And so sometimes when you're thinking things that are not true, right, real, in your best interest or your full good, um, not just your highest good, but the fullness of what you're supposed to be receiving in life, um, because sometimes you're supposed to receive the low stuff too. Uh-huh. It, it's okay, and but if it's if it's not in in order with the fullness of the of the life that you're supposed to be living, what ends up happening is you go into retreat mode because you start lying to yourself and telling yourself all these crazy horrible things, and you start assigning things to people um, and things and, and say, okay, well, no, that, that's bad. That's, no, I, I, no, I can't do that. Or they're going to say this or they're going to say that or this is going to look like this. And, and then the programming that we've all been under our entire lives has us so worried and concerned about everything external. Yeah. Are they going to like me? Are they going to talk about me? And do I have this right? Am I doing this right? Am I stepping to the left right? Am I moving to the right right? You know, and it's like, this is what's keeping everybody full in full anxiety mode because <laughs> nobody is okay with just taking a moment. Yes, isolation and insulation look the same, but in insulation, you are getting your mind, body, and spirit in alignment. Yeah. You're connecting with God. You're learning how to properly pray and meditate. You're understanding how you tick because that's another thing for many people. They don't understand how they work, yeah. how they think. Yeah. Um, so that might mean you've got to go look at some astrology. That might mean you need to go pray a little bit harder and, and really, you know, whatever, whatever your spiritual connection is, you need to delve deeper into that so that you can get a better understanding of how you operate. Yeah. And then from there, noticing the little things about your body. You know, like I, I used to tell people all the time, I am a, a a non-medicine person. You know, I'll take Advil, you know, periodically, but it's got to be like I'm practically shut down for life for me to take Advil. It's crazy. But I have other things that I know my body responds to. If I, if I have a headache, I'm not necessarily going to Advil first because I don't need to relieve the symptom of pain. I need to relieve the problem creating it. Yeah. So then I've got to go back to my body and say, okay, body, what is it that you need? Mm-hmm. I need water. Yeah. Well, let me get you some water, body. I need sleep. Well, let me get you some sleep, body. I need, you know, I I need some tea with this, this, and this in it. Well, body, I'm going to totally give you that. Yeah. No problem. My throat. If my throat is scratchy, I'm not, you know, popping chloroseptic and all the other stuff. I'm going to get my coconut oil and I'm going to do oil pulling. Why? Because if my throat's scratchy, there's probably bacteria. Yeah. So I'm going to release that. 
And if that means I've got to do it multiple times, and, you know, so it's, it's going back to how you think will un- unlock so many things when it comes to how you engage with yourself and then how you engage with yourself determines how you allow others to engage you. I used to say to people often, um, you train people how to treat you because, you know, that quote was running around. Yeah. And I was like, and I, I just said it was so funny. I was telling my mom because we, we said something and then she said it. She was like, well, you know, you always say you train people how to treat you. I said, oh, I didn't give you the memo. I'm not even saying that anymore. That's not, I don't even care about that anymore. I said, you know, starting last year when I was going through all of my stuff, I started focusing on, I don't care about training people how to treat me. I'm going to train me how to treat me. Yeah. And I'm going to hold me accountable to that treatment. And everyone else is either going to have to fall in line with that or fall away. Yes. I can't require you to do something that I'm not, I'm not going doing. to do. Yeah. If, I, if I'm walking around beating myself up, down-talking myself, busting about I'm not good enough or I'm not able to do whatever, whatever, I cannot require you to affirm think me. any better of me. Yeah. Yeah, you can't affirm me if I'm not showing you that it's what I need to have happen. And so I said, no, mm-mm. it's not even about other people. When I talk, when I, I do um, a class on forgiveness, and it's not about the other person. We're always taught to forgive other people. And I don't, I personally, and, and some folks don't agree with this, I personally don't care anything about forgiving anyone else. Why would I say that? Because I have to come back to me. Yeah. I have to come back and do the work over here. And generally speaking, we've been programmed to say I'm sorry and not mean it. And we've been programmed to say I forgive you and not mean it. Yeah. If you think back to children, Johnny hit Susie. Susie goes, oh. Johnny hit me. Someone, an adult says, Johnny, tell Susie you're sorry. Sorry, Susie. Susie, tell Johnny you forgive him. I forgive you, Johnny. Nobody meant that. Johnny wasn't sorry. He meant to hit Susie. And Susie doesn't forgive him. She's still in pain. And she knows that he doesn't mean he's sorry. But over life, You've been programmed to say sorry when you don't mean it and receive sorry and say you forgive when you don't mean it. Yeah. And it's like, oh, forgive people even if they're not sorry. Why? (laughs) That is a waste of my energy. I need to come back to me and determine. And, you know, someone said, oh, that's victim blaming. I said, no, it's not victim blaming. It's victim empowerment. Yeah. I said, because if I come back and I say, all right, let me look at that scenario. Were there things that Johnny showed me in his character and how he presented himself that let me know that "Mm, you're not a good dude, Johnny? 
I probably need to move away from you. I need to get away from you. Or even our friendship with, you know, our, our good friends. Is there something that Sally did that made you kind of look and go, Sally is just not a good chick, but I like her. Why? What, what is it about you that says that it's okay to be around these people that don't mean you any good? Hmm. And then you, then you start adjusting that. What have, how have I trained myself in a way that makes it okay for me to accept these types of people in my life? And how can I release that and heal that and think differently about that? Because I'm trying to be great. And I can't be great if I continue to allow these little things to trip me up. Yeah. And, I mean, I know we've heard it be all, all ways, you know, what, like, the unhealed portions of yourself or parts of yourself usually show up as reflections in other people. Oh, they, <laughs> it usually show up as, as that reflection, right, um, mm-hmm. of those unhealed parts. So if something is irritating you by, about one person or angering you about some, you know, with someone else, usually when you take a look into, okay, what is, why is this person irritating me like this? Or why am I allowing this? Or why, you know, it's usually some type of unhealed mm-hmm. part of you. Do you agree with that? Yes. Yes. And there, there's usually, and it may not be, and this is the crazy thing. It may not be specifically that thing, but it's a characteristic of that thing. Okay. Um, sometimes He said sometimes. Yeah, sometimes we, um, you know, we were talking about not, not being healed in those particular areas. And sometimes, you know, that's, it's not necessarily that people are the exact thing that, that's broken in us, but there's a characteristic of yeah. it. Mm-hmm. Um, there's, there's something that, you know, that, Maybe they remind, you know, sometimes they remind us of somebody that participated in what broke us, Mm, (laughs) you know, and so, so it's like, you know, when you think about people that, um, it's a, it's a weird perpetuation. And I notice this a lot, even on social media where someone will be like, oh, cause all of some, you know, some general sweeping, you know, or some sweeping generalization, all people like this do this. Or all women do this, all men do this, or this is why, you know, these are all, all people in business do this, or these are all ministers or all, you know, and it's like, oh, boy, you just don't want to heal, do you? How about that? You know, and, and usually that's the thing. We get to a place where we are so broken and we're so triggered that um, we don't necessarily... Um, look at 
people in in a healthy way. You know, we're always looking at, well, what is it about this person? And, and sometimes it retreats us into that that fear or those those mindset pitfalls where, you know, you're angry about something, you're blaming somebody about something, you're fearful, you're frustrated, you're guilty, you have regret or shame associated with something. And you can always find one of those seven in in any of these interactions where people are sitting back going, I don't deal with that or I don't want this or you're I'm you know if you're if there's a person that's unhealed with something, they, they they're definitely dealing with one of those things. Uh-huh. And in a lot of instances, if you have already decided that you're not going to heal, you're not going to release it. You're, you know, some people are like people say, "Oh, just let that go," and it's easier said than done. Yes, but it still needs to be done. Because if you're walking around holding on to a big old backpack, piece of luggage, whatever, with a whole bunch of, you know, stuff and unhealed nastiness, then you don't have time to walk around with a bag full of flowers. Right. Because you just got all this junk in your backpack, you know? And, And just the idea of, literally walking around carrying around garbage like that's what happens when you're holding on to these things and we just don't want to release it the most beautiful stuff always dies it it just it just does yeah now especially if it's not being nurtured you know if you have a flower garden then you can nurture it and it can grow and it will still have a cycle where it has to die, but it will come back stronger, bigger, more beautiful, whatever. But if you're just walking around with flowers that have been dug up and you throw those in your backpack, eventually you're going to stink. Yeah. Yeah. And so, so a lot of times, you know, when, when I'm working with people, I'm like, first of all, we got to find out what that stinky stuff is, and let's get rid of that. Let's, let's identify what it is, you know, that, that, that you're holding on to that is just stinking up your life. And then let's figure out how to heal it, heal you in a way that you don't want to carry around that kind of stuff anymore. And when you do have those moments where you are, you know, grabbing on to some things or you're triggered by some things and it's making you sit back and go, see, this is why. And this is, then you have the tool to come back and say, you know what? Yeah, that's a very jacked up situation. However, I'm not going to live in that situation. I've been freed from that situation. And even though it's come back to kind of knock on my door, I'm not interested in participating in it because it doesn't help me live in my greatness. I learned the lesson, and I'm no longer interested in following that particular cycle. And it's interesting. Yeah, it is. It's interesting how that works. Yeah. Because when you, like, even for you, the things that you said, you know, just about 
how you came out of certain situations and have moved into this new phase of your life. If you had stayed stuck, not just in those relationships, but in the idea of, well, I can never be in another relationship again because relationships are bad. Well, that's not true. Right. It's just there are some some things that transpire, some lessons that you learn, and now the beautiful thing is you can help other people that have dealt with some things that you've dealt with. And you can say, you know what? Relationships aren't bad, but what I'm going to do in this particular season, like you said, is figure out how to love me so much that in my singleness, I'm going to be able to thrive in a way that attracts me to the right people, not necessarily just romantic relationships, but attracts me to the right people that are even supposed to be connected to me in all areas of my life. Yes. And that's where I think a lot of times we miss the mark. You know, we, we might, if you look at someone that's got um, kind of like this whole holistic thing that I was talking about with the mind, body, spirit, even if you look at, at people's friendships and their relationships, um, when a person is in any kind of unhealthy relationship, be it romantic, friendship, family any of them ships, you know, co-workership, uh-huh. all those ships, if, there, if you're in any type of, re, of relationship that is unhealthy, you will see evidence of it in every other relationship. Yeah. And so that's, you know, kind of, I'm a hang back and observe kind of person a lot of times. And when I look at certain things with people, I'm like, ooh, okay, so now we need to find out how did this happen and before we can be friends, I need to know, are you actively working on healing that thing? Because my natural proclivity is I want to jump in and help you fix it. But then I had to I had to stop that. Because what was happening was in all of my relationships I was always trying to fix stuff with people and that's unhealthy. <laughs> Yeah, it is. You know, because I I don't want to be the person that people feel like, well, I don't necessarily want to be around her because she's always going to be coaching me. Mm. Um, you know, because I had, I had that conversation once with one of my best friends. She was like, Lord, could you put your coach away, please? And it was, you know, it was in joking between us, but I had to take a look at even in a previous relationship, the person came to me broken, still broken, still, you know, living in their brokenness and and trying to get me to kind of ride along with that. And I was constantly like, oh, but you have so much potential and let me help you do this and I can help you do that and I can help you with this. And they weren't ready 
to move outside of where they were broken. Yeah. So then it just sounded like instead of coaching, it sounded like nagging. And it sounded like you're not good enough for me because I need you to be this. Which is a very dangerous place to be in a relationship. That's interesting. And so even in friendships, I had to be careful because while people come to me for advice, um, there was twofold. I was walking around the free advice column where, you know, people were like, hey, I mean, I know you can, um, you know, you, you know, God tells you things, and so what did he tell you about me? <laughs> and, <laughs> you know, and so I would, I'm, I'm constantly like, you know, I'm like everybody's, you know, psychic friend or something. Right. <laughs> you, know, they're, you know, they're coming to me for, for information, and then, you know, it's either they're coming for, for you know, this kind of spiritual guidance or they're coming to me for um, coaching. And I'm like, first of all, I'm everybody's free information society. Wait a minute. We got to hold on. Time out. Time out. Because I can't service customers. I mean, service and friends. Yeah. And what I started noticing, though, was, it was all fine and good when they were coming to me and soliciting my help. But if I offered some advice, then it was, you're judging me. Yeah. And wow. I was like, you guys, I'm the most non-judgmental person in the history of life. I feel like, you know, we can all get along to get along. You do you. I do me. Everybody does what they do. Um, as long as, you know, like, hey, are you harming anyone with the things that you're doing? Do you want to be different from where, where you are? Like, then, hey, I can help you with that. But if, if you're comfortable where you are and you're not harming anyone in, in what you're doing, then go with God. That, that's my stance. And so when people started kind of turning on me, you know, with the whole, oh, because you're being so judgmental. Then I really started looking at, oh, if you come to me for advice, I'm helping. If I come to you with advice, unsolicited, I'm judging. How about I stop advising? Yeah, and I think that's the thing with coaches, with, with, with us. I think that we do have to find that balance of just letting or you know just holding space with someone right just holding that space with them and not because it's just natural for us to want to coach or give solutions you know i'm saying and things like that and sometimes people just need for us to just hold that space with them and say yeah i definitely understand yeah and i have to start going back into what i call the ministry of presence mm -hmm. just I'm here, and I'm, like you said, holding space with you. If you need me to hang out and sit on the phone and listen for a while while you say what you need to say, then I'll do that. And then what started happening was I wasn't offering any commentary. You know, I would do the whole, oh, okay. You know, know, the normal, like, so you know I'm listening. Right. But I wasn't adding anything as far as, what my opinion was or what I think you should do or this would be a good, none of that. And what started happening was 
people were like, well, you don't have anything to say about that? <laughs> and I was, you know, I finally had to start saying, no. Um, what would you like me to say about that? And then, you know, and what I noticed was, even as I would do with like, my regular coaching clients, I would always I started putting it back on them. Tell me what you would like me to say in this scenario. Well, I mean, you don't have any advice? What type of advice are you seeking? And then it, it, it changed the scope of several friendships because then I would further go into explanation with some people after a couple of those exchanges, you know, different conversations. You can't have it both ways. You can't have advice and no advice. So we have to determine what we're doing here. And then it was like, oh, okay, I see what you mean. I'm like, okay. And usually the answer is within, you know, sometimes people, if you, if you kind of back up a little bit and, and let them do that self-discovery, usually they, yeah, usually they figure out the answer without you having to say anything. The answer is mm-hmm. innately in them. Love this episode on Wait on Purpose? Don't forget to subscribe, rate, and leave a review. It's very much appreciated. Until next time. See you all.